<laughs> I'm awkward and uncomfortable, but I'll get over it eventually. This is Dave the Tie Guy here. And Justin the Not Tie Guy. And this is They Might Be Librarians, the Plainfield Library's very first podcast. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Pin us up on Pinterest. And watch us on YouTube. In this first episode, we're going to hear from the Laurens about some new books coming out this month they're excited to read. And Sarah from the Indiana Room will share a Plainfield ghost story. And we'll check in with the Children's Room for information and tips about the library's trick-or-treat night. This month on Tuesday, October 23rd, is the Cookbook Club. It's from 6.30 to 7.30. It's all about Greek food. Which I need to eat more of. And also, there will be a dessert provided by the library. Which I also need to eat more of. In the gallery, October 12th at 6.30 to 8.30 is a... Viewing of the documentary created by Alan McConnell called Discovering Turkey Run. Hopefully we won't have to chase. Also, some light refreshments will be served and a chocolate fountain. And s'mores. Can't have too many s'mores. Maybe s'mores coated in chocolate. Can you... Is that legal? All right. Join us again on Friday, October 23rd, 6.30 to 8.30. We're the Lawrence. Hi, and welcome to the Lawrence segment. I am Lauren M. I do the cataloging and the collection development for adult fiction. And I'm Lauren W. I work in the team room. And we wanted to give you a preview of some amazing books that we have coming out here in October. Stuff for you to look forward to. Lauren, I kind of want to hear some of the YA books first, because even though I do purchase adult fiction, I also love YA. Okay, that sounds great. There's a lot of great books coming out in October that I'm excited about. Um, I would say the first one is called Dry. It's by Neil and Jared Schusterman. So Neil has a lot of great series, but this time it's his son's first time writing with him. So I'm excited to see that collaboration. And uh, this one's about um, a kind of a near future America where there's a, a drought in California. So they have to survive. Um, some teens get left on their own and they kind of have to travel to try to find drinkable water. And it gets kind of cutthroat, so I'm looking forward to that one. Um, that one comes out on October 2nd. On October 9th, Becky Albert Talley and Adam Silvera have a combo book coming out, so another good combo. It's called What, is, what If It's Us. It um, is a romance, of course, and uh, it's about these two boys. They cross paths multiple times, but they never seem to get it right. They go on many first dates, they have a couple of redos, but they're trying to t- figure out if the universe is pulling them a- apart or putting them together. I love Becky Albertalli. I have never been disappointed by one of her books. Well, then maybe you're going to have to check this I out. I am. <laughs> Um, and then the one I'm most excited about is Kingdom of Ash. It's Sarah J. Mass's conclusion to the Throne of Glass series. I don't know if you've read any of those. I have read the first couple. Yeah, I fell a little behind and I've got a lot of catching up to do. Oh but man, hundreds I'm... and hundreds of pages. <laughs> that is very true. I am very excited, though, for this conclusion. Yeah, so since everybody is split apart, um, I'm curious to see how how will all end. So that one's going to be exciting. And it looks like it's about 900 pages. So it's a nice doorstopper. That's right. 
We love um, our door stoppers around here. <laughs> Seriously. And then there's one that will get you in the mood for October, and it comes out in October. It's called Broken Things by Lauren Oliver. It comes out October 2nd. And um, it's a pretty fast-paced thriller. It's about obsession, murder, and former best friends. So these two friends get thrown back together to try to solve what happened to their other friend when they were younger who got murdered. So I'm curious to see what that one is like. For me, we seem to have a few things that are also aware that it is October and it's spooky time. Uh, Stephen King has a new book coming out, Elevation, which will be coming out the day before Halloween, October 30th. That is very appropriate as far as he goes. Um, Jody Picoult has a new book coming out, A Spark of Light. I feel like I don't even need to give you much of a preview about that book. It's Jodie Picoult. Pick it up. That's right. Uh, MC Beaton has a new book in her Agatha Raisin series coming out called Dead Ringer. Both the Jodie Picoult novel and the MC Beaton novel are coming out October 2nd. And the book that I am most excited about that's going to be new in October is actually not a new book. It is an old classic haunted house fil- haunted house book, not film. And it is called The House Next Door by Anne Rivers Siddons. It is an oldie but a goodie. It's one of the best haunted house books I have ever read. It takes place in a wealthy suburb of Atlanta, and it's about a married couple who live next to a plot of land that no one has ever been able to build a house on because the structure of the land is strange, the shape of the plot is very weird, it's almost pie-shaped, and no one can actually figure out a way to build a house on this plot of land. But an architect comes along, he's a young wonderkind, and he totally nails it, builds an amazing house. Everyone is thrilled by the fact that someone finally figured out how to do it. And then people start moving in, and every single family that moves in has a horrible tragedy occur, and every single tragedy gets worse and worse. It's as if this house is building up all of its evil and its power to attack anyone that comes near it. It is considered one of the spookiest books ever written. I could not put it down when I was reading it. I loved every single word in it, and I cannot wait to get it into the hands of all of our patrons. That actually sounds pretty good. I'm not usually into haunted houses, but that one sounds pretty good. Oh, I loved it. And I love books that kind of make the house or whatever building it happens to be in its own character. That's one of the reasons why I loved The Shining by Stephen King. Oh man, it's amazing. Seriously, even if you're scared, give it a shot. Okay, okay, maybe. (laughs) But another book that we have here in the collection that I kind of feel like if you're ready to get into the mood for October and the spookiness of Halloween that you should check out is The Family Plot by Cherry Priest. As I said, I love books where the house is kind of its own character, and this is a haunted house novel. It's about a woman who works for a salvage company, and the company has been given this ginormous mansion for a very great price, and she and her crew are going to go in. They're going to take out the woodworking, the fixtures, the tiling, all those things that can then be later resold to people who they're doing renovation projects, or they want to just use it to build their own houses. 
and the description of the house is absolutely amazing. And yes, there is a sinister being working throughout the, the house that is causing all kinds of problems for the crew. But one of the things that I loved about it is, yes, it's a sinister being, but the motivations and the reasons behind it are really dissimilar from just about anything else I've read. And this book is a horror novel, but it very much presents itself as also a mystery. You really have to think when you're reading it, you have to pay attention. It's not just a gloss over popcorn book. Okay, I like books that make you think. This one was good. I know you said you don't like it, but you don't, I mean, you don't like horror, but you really should give that a shot. I'm going to convince you to read a horror novel by the end of this. We'll see. Uh, another book, if you are wanting to get into the spirit of Halloween, I highly recommend Dead of Night, the entire series by Jonathan Mabry. It is a zombie series, so if you like a little more action with your horror, that is a great thing to look into. But if you're not so much into the horror, I'm finally getting to something that really might interest you, Lauren. There are other things that we have that can get you into the mood for Halloween. We have the Haunted Indiana Collection in the Indiana Room. There will be a display up for anyone to go in and browse the true hauntings around Indiana. There's also a Haunted Home Renovation series of books by Juliet Blackwell. It's about a woman who does home restorations and she has the capability to see ghosts. There are some mysteries involved, but it's definitely not horror. It's really not that scary or spooky. You can listen to all of them through our Hoopla app. I have listened to all of them. They're read by Exe Sands. She's an amazing audiobook reader. They come highly recommended. And then if you also want something that definitely has no paranormal activity in it at all, I recommend picking up Krista Davis's The Diva Haunts the House, part of the Domestic Diva series. It's all about just preparing for Halloween parties, and maybe there's a little bit of a mystery going on with it as well, but the main focus is definitely on throwing parties and eating a lot of food. Well, that one sounds like fun. Definitely not as spooky as the first one. No. <laughs> well, as you could probably tell, I'm not super into these spooky books, but I have some that will get you in the mood for Halloween, and um, they're also YA books because that's what I spend. Um, but I don't know if any if you've read uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Children. I have. Okay. Have you read more than just that one? Yes, I I have read the entire series. Okay. And I loved it. That's good. There's another one coming out in October. I think I remember you telling me that. That's yeah. amazing. So that one's a good series. Um, if you haven't seen the movie or read any of the books. Um, it's kind of creepy. It's based on old photographs that the author Ransom Riggs found, and he uh, just kind of wrote a story around the photographs. And so it's kind of um, this teenager, um, his un- his grandpa is seen as a crazy man. He keeps saying that there's monsters following him and all that kind of stuff. But after he dies, um, the grandson kind of finds out that the monsters are true. So he kind of it's a it's a mystery a little bit at first, and he kind of looks into what was going on and he discovers about all these peculiar children that are being threatened by the evil what they're called hollows so it's a good series to get into uh, i really love the photographs and how they were worked into the story speaking of photographs there's a graphic novel called through the woods by emily carroll it's uh, pretty interesting it's kind of folkloric tales um it's very very creepy all of the stories they're little mini stories throughout the graphic novel but they all kind of just leave you dissatisfied and a little uncomfortable 
little spooked out about your neighbors or what could be lurking in your yard. Or... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a really good graphic novel for, for somebody who doesn't like creepy things. I really liked that graphic novel. I thought it was pretty good. And then um, if you're into zombies, there's a book called The End Games by T. Michael Martin. It presents itself as like a video game kind of esque feel. It's this teenager and his younger brother who has autism. He's trying to help his younger brother think that it's a video game that they have to beat, but they're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse that started on Halloween. So they are trying to beat some other um, still alive people out in, in survival, but they're trying to fight against the Bellows, which is their version of zombies. And there's a game master involved that's trying to manipulate what's happening. So the rules are changing and they're trying to figure out how to survive. So you have a master manipulator involved in the zombie apocalypse. Right. Wait, I mean, say that title one more time. It's called The End Games by T. Michael Martin. Yeah, I'm definitely reading that one. Okay, that's good. I'm glad I could get you interested in one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's about all the time that we have. We hope that we have convinced a few of you to pick up a couple of our creepy reads, and we look forward to seeing you in the library. We're now joined by our special guest, Sarah from the Indiana Room. Sarah, do you have anything scary or spooky to share with us this month? You know, Dave... Come to mention it, I think a lot of people know about the Haunted Bridge up in Avon. Um, And we've got stuff about that included in our extensive collection of Indiana ghost stories and legend books. But recently, I've discovered our own Plainfield ghost story in an article from the 1893 Plainfield Progress newspaper. This story involves Taylor Reagan, who owned a grocery at 101 West Main Street. It's where the first national bank is located right now. And one thing about the early articles in newspapers I really love is that the author's personality comes right through. So this is really kind of evident here. As he he starts the article, he kind of says, the author of this, as to the truthfulness of the story, we leave it to the reader to judge. And then he jumps right into the story. So he tells this story about how Taylor Reagan went fishing with his wife south of Mooresville, and they were returning late in their buggy, when Taylor looks over and sees a horseman riding beside him. And he says hello and gets no response. So, and this is my favorite part, his wife very calmly whispers to Taylor, Taylor dear, that horse has no legs. And so he tries to get a response from the horseman again. And there's no response. And so he decides to race the horseman. Reasonable. Yeah. And he can't outrun the horseman, even though he claims he has, like, the best horse around. So then he tries to hit the horseman with his whip, his buggy whip. And he says it goes right through him. It's a little less reasonable. Yes, well, wait till you hear the next thing he does. He tries to shoot the horseman. I can't beat this guy in a race. Let me attack him. (laughs) Yes. And he says, nothing happens. The horseman just keeps galloping around beside him. So, let me read the conclusion of the article. Uh, Mr. Reagan says, It kept right along beside the buggy, and only a few feet distant, until we reached the Quaker Cemetery at Sugar Grove, two miles south of Plainfield. Now, if any of you are familiar with the location of that, that's where the big, or the 
roundabout is uh, next to the Sugar Grove Meeting House, that is still there. He says, it turned into the cemetery and I saw it no more. Now, the author of the article ends kind of tongue in cheek with a reference to Reagan, um, imbibing a bit. So he leaves it to the reader of the article to decide whether or not there truly was a ghost. But I was interested to find that apparently we have at least a reference to a ghost here in Plainfield. And all he was trying to do was come home after getting groceries and this guy just tried to attack him. <laughs> Sarah, what other resources are out there to find things like this? Well, you know the Indiana Room deals a lot with history, so there are quite a few resources that have to do with, well, for instance, death. One of the things that I found that is quite creepy, actually, is something called death photos. I oh, don't, boy. Yeah. Those. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but in the Victorian era this, was quite, era, this was quite a thing. Different cultures deal with mourning in a lot of different ways, but back in the Victorian era, one thing that was quite common was to take pictures, photographs, of children and adults who had passed away. And... A guy named Stanley Burns has a book called Sleeping Beauty, Memorial Photography in America, and he actually says that this was a common aspect of American culture, and surviving families were proud of these images and hung them in their homes, sent copies to friends and relatives, and wore them as lockets or carried them as pocket mirrors. I think I remember reading somewhere that a big reason that that practice got so popular is that it was so difficult to take pictures. Everybody moving slightly during the minute-long exposure. I don't, so the best pictures you'd have of a person would be after they were deceased. I don't know about that, but we do have some that you can get to from our online photo index on the Indiana Room page. One of them is of Charles Jackson, a, a young boy who died in 1889. He was the son of John Jackson and Camilla Jackson, and in the picture... His dead body is propped up in a chair, and he's holding a drum and drumsticks. And we also have an undated one of an unidentified deceased child with blonde curls wearing a white dress. The dead child is posed on a black daybed with a tropical plant scene backdrop, probably in preparation for a funeral service. We have all kinds of interesting stuff from the past. Creepy and not creepy. Wow. Any other resources that you could provide that the Indiana Room has that we don't know about? Well, we have a lot of coroner's inquests. We have them from October 1845 through October 1906, so we have just over 60 years' worth. We have about 207 of them. The vast majority are either suicide or death by unfortunate encounters of some variety with trains, believe it or not. We also have several murders, and we have some... Interesting cases such as Missouri Campbell, who was poisoned by arsenic by her husband, Frank Miles, who was hit by a lightning strike, and Caroline E. Johnson, who drowned in a rain barrel during a fit of insanity. Speaking of insanity, we have um, a set of insanity files of people who were committed in the 1800s. We have a cemetery index, which lets you know where different people have been buried. We have an obituary index that lets you look up um, people's obituaries if you're trying to do genealogy, and also mortality schedule indexes for genealogy as well. So basically, if you're looking to do family history, we are the place to come to. Side note, make sure to use all this while having your lights on and it's daylight outside. 
Also, starting October 1st, we will be open all of the same hours as the rest of the library. That's great news, Sarah. Thank you for coming on. There are lots of things happening this month in the children's room. Let's hear from Olivia. Hi, I'm Olivia from the Children's Department, and we have some programs coming up for you in October. So the first one we have is trick-or-treating insider information. Trick-or-treat insider information. The indoor trick-or-treating features many vendors and stations running from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. It is always the Thursday before Halloween, so this year it falls on Thursday, October 25th. While the event is two hours long, the main crowd usually thins out by around 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to attend and try to avoid the thick of it, aim for a later time. Campfire Tales, new this year. We're transforming our children's activity room into a realistic outdoor campfire on Saturday, October 20th. Join Anne as she has two sessions, one at 11 a.m. for younger kids, which will feature some not-so-scary stories, and the second session at 11.45 a.m. for older children with some slightly scarier stories. We'll have campfire snacks and a lot of fun. Finally, we have a new program beginning this October. The A Thousand Books Before Kindergarten program is a nationwide challenge that encourages parents and caregivers to regularly read aloud to their children. We have a new program beginning this October. The A Thousand Books Before Kindergarten program is a nationwide challenge that encourages parents and caregivers to regularly read aloud to their children. A Thousand Books Before Kindergarten is available to all families with children between the ages of birth and five years old. Having a library card isn't required. How does the Thousand Books Before Kindergarten program work? Once you register, you'll keep track of books on a reading app or on the A Thousand Books Before Kindergarten record. At each 100 book milestone, you'll earn a sticker for our wall of fame. A small prize is awarded at 100 books, a tote bag is awarded at 500 books, and a free book is awarded at 1,000 books. Come visit us in the children's department to sign up today. And now Teen Central proudly presents a dramatic representation of 12 Angry Pigs. Boy, I tell you, it's hot. I thought it was hot in the courtroom. This room is like an oven. Do I smell bacon? Oh wait, that's me. So why are we supposed to do? Weren't you listening to the judge? We vote! Vote? We decide whether or not that wolf is guilty or not guilty. He looks guilty in me. Me too. What do you mean he looks guilty? Look at our teeth. Those wolves have sharp teeth. They better gobble you up, right? Am I right? But the wolf isn't on trial for biting someone. The trial about is about him blowing down those two houses. I thought there were three houses. O only two knock were knock got knocked down. Don't you listen? He huffed and puffed and blew down the houses of those innocent little pigs. Those poor swine! Why, those pigs are, t are lucky to be alive. I tell you, those wolves are dangerous. I wish it wasn't so hot in here. Isn't there a fan or something? We should get the big bad wolf in here to huff and puff and blow us a cold breeze. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's get down to business. Now, since I am the foreman... Do you mean, don't you mean for a pig? Uh, what's foreman? It means that I am the spokesperson of the jury here. When we go back into court, I'll be the one doing the talking. So, that makes you the head hog? No, but I do get to read the verdict. Oh, what's your verdict? It's the decision that we make as a jury. Oh. What's your jury? Can I trade seats with somebody? Can we just get on with this? Very well. We have heard the trial. 
Now we need to determine whether the Big Bad Wolf is guilty or not guilty. I don't think we should call him Big Bad. He hasn't been convicted yet. Alright, just Wolf then. So let's vote. All those who believe the wolf is guilty say oink. 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 And anyone else? Not oinking. What's that? I'm not oinking because I'm voting not guilty. (laughs) You think the big bad wolf is innocent? Well, I haven't made up my mind yet. There have been many so- There's been so many stories about wolves doing terrible things. Maybe we paid more attention to those fairy tales and not enough attention to the evidence. What's your evidence? Did you sleep through the trial? Evidence is the stuff that proves whether or not somebody is guilty. And there should be enough evidence to convince us all that the wolf's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. There's plenty of evidence. Well, I'd like to hear what all of you think. Okay, that sounds fine. Let's take turns and explain to our fellow pig why we think the wolf is guilty. Why don't you go first? Me? Oh, well, I guess I just think he looks awful scary. I can just picture him huffing and puffing and blowing down those houses. But you didn't see him do it. But you didn't see him not do it. But you didn't see him him not not do it. Huh? Look, the facts of the case are this. These three little pigs, just like you and me, they move away from home. They're siblings, so they decide to build their houses nearby. One pig built a house out of straw, the other built a house out of sticks, and the other built a house out of brick. And then what happens? This wolf comes along pretending to be selling cookies or something when the pig won't open up the door. Whoosh! Down goes the house of straw. The little pig runs to the next house made out of sticks. The wolf follows and whoosh! Down goes house number two. Clear case of destruction of property. And it's a good thing their brother or pig made a house out of bricks because it was strong enough to protect them from being eaten up by that evil wolf. Thank you for sharing. What about you? Me? Oh. I guess, I guess, since everyone else thinks he's guilty, he must be. You shouldn't just agree with someone, just because that's what a person wants. Hey, you're right. I agree with you. I don't want you to agree with him. Okay. I believe the wolf is guilty because there was an eyewitness, a local village boy, saw in the whole crime take place. And since I'm sure he wouldn't lie, I am, a, I am certain that the wolf must be guilty. There's, uh, there's the little fellow now. Hi, piggies. I'm off to guard my flock of sheep. What a nice young man. That's why I voted that, that's why I con- to convict that big bad wolf. Me too. Everything points to the wolf as a criminal. Who else could have done it? I'm afraid that seems to be the only explanation. Unless you're, sh- unless you shunt, smells, some we don't. Besides, he's a wolf. If he's not guilty of this crime, I'm sure he's guilty of something. You shouldn't say that. It's not nice. Look, nice and not. The facts clearly show that our wolf friend here is guilty. But he should try to act all innocent. Yeah, did you see him wearing that sheep's clothing during the trial? Well, I saw right through that. Well, I thought little boy Blue's testimony once convincing. But more than anything, I just didn't trust that wolf. He claimed that he was a wolf scout selling wolf scout cookies door to door. There's no such thing as a wolf scout. Oh, but there is. There are there are cub scouts, there are wolf scouts, there are trout scouts, and there are all sorts of scouts. Oh, and they are nice sort of, of folks. 
Say maybe I voted guilty too quickly. What do you mean? Look, Mr. No-Oink, I want to know why you voted not guilty. You're keeping us cooped in here like chickens. Well, we should be at home rolling around in mud like pigs. And if he... And if the wolf didn't demolish those houses, then who did? I've been wondering about that myself. Why would a wolf want to knock down a pig's house to begin with? Well, he wanted to eat. So he blew the house down so that he could gobble up the first little pig. But why wouldn't he just wait for the pig to leave his straw house and then grab him? Why spend all the energy blowing down the house? He couldn't wait. He was too hungry. If he was too hungry, then why didn't he just eat the cookies he was selling? Because wolves don't eat cookies. Yeah. They eat pork chops. Yeah. And ham hocks. Yeah. And stop agreeing with everything I say. <laughs> yeah. All this talk about food is making me hungry. Me too. I wish we had some lunch or something. Yoo-hoo! Piggies, it's chow time. Want some pig slop? Yes, yeah, please. please. Come and get it. Haha, uh-huh. I, I was joking, it's empty. Huh, well, you sure fooled us, young man. Now run along, little boy Blue. We pigs have work to do. Now, as I was saying, I didn't think I don't think the wolf huffed and puffed at all. Then how did the house fall down? Think about it. Of the three little pigs, only one knew how to build houses well, and that little pig built his house out of brick. The houses of straw and sticks were so frail, they could have fallen down when the wolf politely knocked mm. on the door. Politely knocked? Do you believe this swine? I'm just saying it's possible. And since when do wolves blow air with the force of a hurricane? That's a very good point. Well, I watched the documentary on wolves, and it, it didn't mention a, a thing about huffing or puffing. Which reminds me of something else the defense forgot to mention. What's that? Oh, bailiff, uh, we'd like to examine a piece of evidence. Which one? The wolf pack, please. Just a moment. Thank you, bailiff. Watch your bailiff. He's like a policeman for the courtroom. Throughout the trial process, he keeps things in order. Order? I'd like to order a large extra cheese pizza. Hold the pepperoni. Not that kind of order. <laughs> Gee, I'm awful hungry. Free cheese. Free, free, fresh from the oven. Absolutely delicious. Who wants a slice? Me, me, me. me. I, I do. do. I do. Haha, <laughs> fooled you again. Say, that's not very nice. Little boy, that's not a joke. It is not funny anymore. We're trying to work here. Here's the wolf's pack. Let's see. Here are the wolf pack cookies. And this is the wolf scout badge. That doesn't prove anything. What about this? So what? How could the so-called big bad wolf huff and puff when he has asthma? <gasps> oh my goodness. So he's got asthma medicine in his wolf pack. He probably stole it. Wolves will do that. Not all wolves are like that, and you know it. I think we should have another vote. Very well. Let's go around the table. All those who think the definite is guilty say oink. I'll go first. I say oink. Uh, oink. Oink! Not oink. Oh, what do you know? I still say oink. Not oinking. Oink. Not oinking. Not oinking. Oink. Oink. Not oinking. That's seven oinks. And five not oinking. You piggies call yourself a jury? 
You want to let that big bad wolf go free? What's with you? This little piggy is forgetful, and this little piggy is regretful, and this little piggy's brain went to the market, and this little piggy's then this little piggy should have stayed home, and then and this little piggy, this little piggy went 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 wee 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 all over the justice system. But there's reasonable doubt. We don't have enough evidence. There's a witness. The boy saw everything. And you heard that big bad wolf say, Little pig, little pig, let me in. Or I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. What more proof do you need to convict this canine? Who was a reliable witness? Big slop. Pizza. Pig slop and pizza. Come and get it. Get out of here, kid. We know you're trying to trick us. <gasps> I guess that means your witness isn't so reliable. I'm changing my vote to not guilty. Me too. That kid is a liar. Looks like there's a reasonable doubt. I changed my vote too. Maybe we were wrong about this wolf. I knew he was innocent all along. Are you serious? Raise your hand if if you vote not guilty. Any votes for guilty? Oink! I know I'm right and you'll never change my mind. We may have to declare a hung jury. What's a hung jury? When a jury is unable to unwillingly come to an establishment decision, re- resulting in a mistral. I thought everyone knew that. Wow. <clears throat> Fine. Then it's, it's a mistrial. We aren't giving up. Let's keep talking. Convince us. He's guilty. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Isn't. Is. Prove it. Why can't you pick see things the way I do? The facts are plain. Charlotte is guilty. Charlotte? Who's Charlotte? Uh, a spider. I, I mean a wolf. I'm talking about the big bad wolf. But that's not what you said. You said Charlotte. Who is she? She was a spider named Charlotte. And she was my best friend. But then she broke my heart and left me. I promised myself I'd never trust another not big again. I vote not guilty. Poor pig. I think we're ready. Have you reached the verdict? We have, Your Honor. And what is it? We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. Very well. Bailiff, you may release the defendant. Thank you so much. I didn't think anyone would believe me. Well, we were just doing our job. I'm sure it's not always easy when people think you're a big bad wolf. Police! Arrest that big bad wolf! (sighs) Here we go again. That's all, folks! That play was excellent, wasn't it? We hope you've enjoyed the very first podcast here at the Plainfield Guilford Township Public Library. Tune in next month. This is Dave the Tie Guy signing off.